Welcome back to the Life and Digital podcast, the US edition. This week, Dan, our VP of North America, is speaking with Tom Jenin, Chief Revenue Officer at Brand Metrics. This is Tom's second appearance on the podcast, having spoken with Ed last year. Tom and Dan discuss the changes Brand Metrics have experienced since that recording. They go in depth on the importance of brand lift, long term growth, and driving sales across the US and globally. We hope you will enjoy. Hey, Tom, uh, thanks for joining us here on our third edition of our US Life in Digital podcast. Uh, it's really great to have you. Yeah, um, so, no worries. I guess so. the first thing really to, to kick off by asking then, so do you mind talking to us about brand metrics then? You know, who are you and, and what do we need to know? Well, brand metrics is, um, is actually the first platform to be purpose built for the measurement of campaign brand effectiveness. You, know, you get a lot of, uh, when you're measuring brand effectiveness, there's a lot of different tools out there, but they're mostly kind of general purpose uh, research tools that actually can be used for brand uplift measurement. Um, but as a result, they have a lot of weaknesses. They can't really measure um, small campaigns. They can't really measure um, very targeted things. Um, and they are also not, I mean, they're all very much driven from the buy side, which is important. Um, but it also leaves out a lot of the different media that they want to measure because, again, they're not really built for that. So what Brand Metrics was done, it's actually our CEO and founder is the former um, CEO of Kantar in Sweden. Mm. And he kind of looked at it and said, actually, if we just try to do less, um, we could build something that would be scalable, would allow us to get to actually get a lot more insights across many more campaigns. Um, and and that's what that's what we built. And and over the last few years, um, it's really taken off, especially on right. the media side, where you've got publishers and big publishers who are trying to prove that they're worth a premium for the the, the brand that they've built and the audience that they've built, and trying to get brands to to advertise with them. Often the discussion is around the fact that their brands will mesh together. There will be a strong adjacency. Um, that will develop into um, trust and value for the brand that's coming in, but um, they need to be able to prove it. And mm. that's been tricky for, for quite a long time. Now that we're here, um, actually, we're seeing quite a lot of success from publishers globally. We're around, uh, we're, we've got customers in 19 countries, um, we've got people on the ground in eight, um, and it's, um, it's proving to be quite effective and also really well received on the buy side because they look at it and they are starting to see patterns that they weren't able to see before. Um, mm -hmm. And I think quite importantly, seeing value from the premium publisher, the kind of the, the open web, as opposed to just seeing it from the big platforms who will always give you some level of brand, uh, brand effectiveness measurement if you invest a bit of money. Mm -hmm. And yeah, absolutely. I know you guys are very much global and in a very impressive client list too. So glad, glad to hear things are going well. So I, I guess within that then, like, what, what do you say is one thing that sets brand metrics apart from the pack? You know, how are you guys different? Yeah, I would say it's the scalability. Um, we've really broken down the, uh, the, the barriers to being able to scale brand effectiveness measurement because there's, there's really been a lot of those around for, for quite a while. So you know, what's really important when you're um, when you're kind of run into trying to do brand effectiveness measurement on a lot more things, just had this conversation with a publisher. They mm -hmm. are really a really wealthy publisher. They've, they've got a huge insight and effectiveness team. 
and they their branded content uh, business is growing, but so is the demand for measurement. And they've seen that you know they're doing they're going to measure in their on their own backs probably a hundred campaigns per year, but their their content team wants to measure two hundred and fifty more campaigns. So for three hundred and fifty campaigns. And they're just, they're just at their end. They can't, mm. they can't expand their capabilities anymore. So what Brandmetrics has done has kind of broken down the financial barrier because actually it's a SaaS model. So it's unlimited measurements for a single monthly fee, which means that actually it's, it's as, as cost-effective, even more cost-effective to measure your best customers who are always on as it is for those big burst customers who come in uh, for, for, for a big campaign once a year. Also, you don't have the resource barrier that you used to have because it only takes five minutes to set it up. So instead of having to get your insight team to go back and forth with a client and takes a lot of, you know, human re- capital to do that, actually, you don't, you don't need that anymore. And the methodology is such that it's a script-based approach. And that means that actually we're able to measure campaigns as small as 50,000 impressions, right? It's 1% of what kind of a, a big research platform would require. And then you know, from, a, from the, the standpoint of, of, of our methodology, it's, everything is comparable. So every measurement is comparable to the next one, which means we've been able to build up benchmarks in every product category and subcategory. And the, as a result, you just see that there's a lot more value there, even though we're asking um, only one question actually and getting four metrics, you're, not, you're able to then see that across such a wide variety of campaigns, you learn a lot of different things. Yeah. I bet. Well, that sounds great. And so what, what specifics are you measuring there within that? And, and how does that influence brand uplift? Yeah, they're, they're you know, looking at the, the, the funnel, right? There's, a, there's mm-hmm. a funnel. And we all know that what we call performance advertising is the click, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're looking at the click. We're looking at what happens after that click. Did they actually go on to buy something or download a white paper or take a test drive? It's a lot of actions that come from that because there's a strong signal of activity from that click, as long as it's not fraud. Hmm. But when you wonder if the clicks aren't there, maybe something's going on in the upper funnel. What's happening with your brand? Have you not spent enough to build out your brand within that target audience? Do they not know enough about you or even want to you know, put you in the consideration set? So what we measure is just four metrics, brand awareness, brand consideration, brand preference and action intent. Mm. So are they, where are they in that funnel? Something that we can tell them. So, uh, you know, a brand, if you're a, if you're a, a very, very popular um, ride sharing app, you know, we all have one in mind because mm. awareness is not a problem for that brand. We also, they also don't care about brand consideration because they're on everybody's phone. And they also don't care about purchase intent because you're only going to intend to take a ride when you need one. The only metric they care about as a brand is brand preference. Are they the first app you open when you need a ride? So if you measure brand preference, they'll give you all kinds of money. And if you don't measure brand preference, they give you nothing. Mm. So from that standpoint, that's how brands you know, look at their own success. They don't care so much about clicks. What they care about is, are they occupying the space in your brain that, um, that leads you towards... Um, you know, preferring and needing that brand when it's time for you to, to, to use it. So we're not measuring things like attention or, en- or engagement or interactivity. Those are great signals, but they're just signals that something happened. They're mm-hmm. not actually effectiveness of the campaign, which is what brands are looking for. 
So if somebody's looking to build a, a business with a brand and to speak their language, they need those just those core four metrics uh, that will enable them to do that. Great. Okay. That makes sense. So I guess uh, the next question then, so how does brand metrics define healthy brand development and, and long-term growth then? So if you're thinking about, about brand development, um, there again, you, 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 are, you are laying the groundwork in, in trying to occupy someone's, uh, someone's um, thoughts about that space and about your, the, the brand. And again, the clicks aren't going to come unless people have intended to purchase in the first place. They're not going to intend to purchase unless they are preferring your brand or product over another brand or product. And they're not going to prefer it if it's not in the consideration set in the first place. And it's not going to be in the consideration set if they're not aware of it. So by understanding kind of what that development is, you can start to then connect the upper funnel to the lower funnel. And that would, that's a very strong and very common on the buy side brand development approach. Um, so when you think about long-term growth, you essentially want to keep filling that funnel and keep mm -hmm. doing a good job of moving them through that. There's a lot of factors, right? Uh, attention is a great metric, but I could also put naked people in my ad and people would look at it, get a huge <laughs> amount of attention and it does nothing for my brand. So, yes. so we've got to be able to link those, those metrics with brand effectiveness to be able mm -hmm. to see how that works. You can see that um, you know, the Telegraph uses that and they call it their metrics that matter, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's connecting the signals with the effectiveness. Um, and that's proven to be pretty, um, uh, pretty uh, uh, effective for them talking to clients. Mm. Okay, cool. Interesting. So I guess then on that point, so what are your top tips then, you know, for successful and accurate campaign measurement? You know, how do we get in on the action, I guess? It's a great question. Uh, ultimately, it starts from the client. What does the, what does the client want to measure? Uh, we work with a number of publishers who are trying to build out their brand business um, and actually they still are dealing with campaign creatives that are performance focused, click performance focused. So it starts from um, talking to the client about what is going to matter best to them. That ride sharing app I mentioned, as long as you hear that it's brand preference that matters, that unlocks all kinds of planning and creativity from, uh, from the, the creative partners and in this case, the publisher. So they're gonna come in and say, right, well, if that's what it is, then maybe we're gonna do some explainer videos, or maybe we're gonna do some, uh, some, some great case studies or, or, or customer testimonials, or we'll do some branded content that, is, that kind of really shows why this is the best um, uh, ride-sharing app over all the rest. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of, it, all of that stems from that. And then in the back end, we're gonna measure it. And having that measurement says that we did the right thing or we did some of the things right with that campaign. And that gives you something to build on with the next campaign. Now I can build on, now I know what's going on. Now I've got a, a picture on it. I can, I can see what's going on. I can see what's in front of the car. I can drive the car you know, on the route that I want it to go. Mm. Okay, great, all right then. So I guess within the industry then at the moment, what, what sort of key trends do you feel that we should really be paying attention to? Of course, now, but also next year. Yeah, it's that's it's a it's a hard question. You know, I don't yes. have my crystal ball, Auntie. <laughs> uh, I'd have left it on the beach where I was last week. Um, <laughs> but there, there again, you've 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 got so many different factors um, with some macroeconomic factors with the war and potential recession. 
Um, inflation is a huge problem for all of us. We want to shift more product, but it's hard to do that when people can't afford it. Fortunately, people by and large still have jobs and um, yes. they, there's money there to, and people will spend money on things that they, they need as long as it's not going to, um, you know, taken up all by their, um, their interest rates and, uh, <laughs> and energy costs. Um, so I think what we're looking at going forward is people trying to adapt to that. The messaging is changing quite a lot um, based on what people and, and research is, is telling them that, that, that customers are concerned about. So, I mean, I think currently in our industry, we're, we're going to see shifts as people's normal sources of, of demand start to change. Games, for example, gaming industry has found that with the IDFA changes and what's happening with Facebook, that actually there's not, there's not as much um, app install revenue out there. So they start to look more and more at, at brands. And as it turns out, games are a great place for brands to advertise because, you know, people, when you're playing a game, you do not want to click on the ad. So it's not a great performance focus, but maybe you are being uh, exposed to that ad. And the more you see it, if it's, if it's available to, to look at, yeah, maybe that brand is super effective. So if you can measure that, brands are going to be much happier to start spending money in the games environment. Mm -hmm. um, retail media networks are huge now um, because retailers actually have quite a bit of attention. They've got quite a bit of people are right down at the bottom of the funnel, but there are also branding opportunities there as well. So um, retailers, they don't think like media companies, so it's going to take them a while to get there. But when they get there, like a Walmart or a Target in the U.S. or, uh, or, or Tesco and others over here in, in Europe, you know, they then they get there and they're and they're really strong at bringing their data to um, and sharing their data. Mm -hmm. So, so I think there's quite a lot of interesting trends, and, and we're going to see ad tech, especially independent ad tech, evolving, um, evolving. Uh, you know, are and innovating really to meet those challenges. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you mentioned, of course, you were on the beach there last week, obviously we were in Miami. Uh, how was that, that event, obviously, the Digiday Publishing Summit? How did it all go? And you know, what, what were your kind of key takeaways from that? Yeah, I was at Digiday in Miami. I was actually also in New York a couple of weeks ago for, um, for Advertising Week and for um, uh, Beeler Tech. There was a really interesting uh, focus on, on direct sales uh, for mm -hmm. publishers and trying to really everybody's looking for new solutions. And so I think all of these events were incredibly well attended. A lot of people turning up now, um, mm -hmm. they're able to travel and they want to travel. But getting beyond that, that's kind of old news. The, the, the real news is that um, everybody's under a bit of pressure to put together some results. So they don't really want to see content that is just, oh yeah, we're doing really well. And um, I'm not going to tell you any details about that. They want to hear the details. They want to really catch up with people and they need solutions. Mm -hmm. So from an ad tech perspective, there's never been a better time to get a meeting. Uh, it may be harder to close the deal because everyone's looking really close at the, at the, um, at the cost. But, um, but yeah, I think it's fantastic that everybody's out there and, and I see just so much innovation. Everyone's trying something new. Um, they've got a new strategy to spend so much turnover at the top. Um, people are hiring new people. And, uh, and I think now they want to see those investments start to pay off a bit. Mm -hmm. 
it's good to be back, isn't it, for events? And I'm sure you'll be at, at the Wires uh, event in a couple of weeks. And congrats on being shortlisted in the last 10 for our tech personality of the year. So, yeah, well, it's, not, it's, ne it's, it's never a bad thing for a, a nerd population a popularity contest, you know, to, uh, <laughs> well, <there> you <laughs> to get, get something. Well, I'll plug it even if you're not, all right? Uh, vote for Tom, guys. Uh, so <laughs> good luck with that. Um, so I guess on from that, so are there any other big events that you've got kind of your eye on for H2 the next 12 months, maybe anything else out there? Yeah, well, I think, you know, looking at, you know, Q4 is such a great time for networking, right? Everything, nobody wants to do any integrations, right? Come, come November, everyone's saying, all right, everything's locked. Um, so that I think somehow they're kind of locking it so they can just go party, right? They're, they want to get all the money through the door for sure. There's a lot of focus on that, but everyone's going to make some time to hear about, um, you know, what the plans are for next year and, um, and how, they can, how they can accelerate into uh, their new roles or, or their new, new targets. It's budget season, right? So I think, you know, when you look at the events for next year, there are... Um, you know, I think big changes in every different market. I think Demexco was 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 fun this year, from what I hear. I was obviously in Miami at the time, but Demexco there was there was some good turnout. More publishers showed up than people expected, but mm -hmm. uh, but things are shifting in Germany. There's a lot of other events that that the buyers are going to, so we're going to start to see people moving. Maybe they'll sp still spend money to Mexico, but they're going to still spend it at um, at OMR and and other places. Uh, I think you, you you definitely see the IAB events in the U.S. work mm -hmm. looking really good. I think I'd, I'd love to try that, and and I think there again, Ad Monsters, Beeler Tech events, those are all really good the, for, for from an ad tech perspective. Mm -hmm. um, advertising Week was great. Um, people really showed up on the buy side, and you can mm -hmm. see that there was some really engaging content. So. Um, yeah, I think it's it's just a it's going to be a vibrant event season. You'll see a lot more people going out. Unfortunately, that means that they're just not in their office either. So <laughs> you're going to have to go to the events in order to catch up with people anyway. That's it, isn't it? That's the culture change now, isn't it? For sure. Okay, cool. Well, I guess final question then, really, Tom. If we're looking forward now, you know, what is next for Brand Metrics? What have you guys got on the horizon? Well, I think you know. With all the demand that we're seeing on the sell side, it makes sense for us to continue to build out our presence with networks, uh, doing integrations with various tech platforms like, like Attention and DMPs and others where people want to use this data, this campaign data, and make it more uh, usable. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of work still to be done on the programmatic side and with CTV um, and broadcasters. It's a lot of different methods that we can go into. And I think you look at brand metrics, we're already delivering measurements in audio and podcasts. And that's, uh, I think, something that very few people have been able to do so far. So we expect to see a lot of growth in that next year. Um, and, and beyond that, I think it's just probably at some point making, um, um, you know, making some more hires and, uh, and trying to grow the team. Great. Well, that sounds exciting. Well, look, thank you, Tom, for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been great to talk through it with you, obviously, all about brand metrics. And of course, best of luck for, uh, as I say, winning that wire event, but also best of luck for the rest of the year. OK, I appreciate your time now. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Have a great night. A huge thank you to Tom and Dan for this week's episode. If you want to find out more about the work Tom and Brand Metrics are doing, you can find a link to their website via our show notes and our website. 
A big thank you for listening and we hope you will join us again next time for another episode of Life in Digital.